Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is Episode 5, Penelope McCordy, Giving Space, Act 2, recorded July 16th, 2016, at Courtney's apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Screaming about irrevocability Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches And fight our own way free Cause the rules don't lie but they don't apply To people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 Now they say it's all decided All divided, all laid out and the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives aloud are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hello, teaching artist listeners. Welcome to 2018. Yes, it's a new year with new goals and new or renewed ambitions. I am personally thinking about two things, leadership and the feminarchy. (laughs) It is award season uh, as January kicks it off, right? And in some way, we all paid attention to the Time's Up action group and its leaders that were showcased during the Golden Globes red carpet. This group was formed in Hollywood last November to support women across all industries around sexual harassment and sexual discrimination cases. Additionally, how inspired was I by Oprah's speech as she became the the first black woman to receive the Cecil B. DeMille Award? She said many, many amazing things, but there was one particular thing that she said in her speech that really spoke to me. Quote, what I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we have. And I am especially proud and inspired by all the women who have felt strong enough and empowered enough to speak up and share their personal stories. End quote. For me, that spoke to my priority of women in leadership and empowerment, (laughs) or what I like to refer to as fempowerment, something that I think that this podcast strives to do. And someone that I think is a leader in this field and is all about empowering others is Penelope McCourty. Please enjoy the last installment of my interview with her. Here is Penelope McCourty, Episode 5, Act 2, Giving Space. You were an education director. Yes. For Brooklyn Arts Exchange yeah. for a lot of years. Like five, yeah. And and why? 
<laughs> why? I mean, why did you make that decision? You had yeah. been, you know, working as a dancer and a teaching mm-hmm. artist prior to that. And then you made this very distinct shift yeah. to be an arts administrator, not only an arts administrator, but to run an yeah. entire department. I mean, up until that point, I had had many different experiences. I'd, I'd done some administration, um, but it was like project based. So it wasn't anything that was consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, when I danced in Liz Lerman, that's part of what you have to do as a company member. Up until that point, I was dancing with different touring companies. But touring comp- you know, it's not 52 weeks out of the year. So you have to find different things to supplement. And I've done many, many different things. But closer to Bax, I, w- I would do these administrative gigs as projects. And... Um, I just kind of was like, I need a break from traveling so much. I never felt like I was ever home for a period of time. And then luckily the dance companies that I worked with, they didn't do like, we are in this one city only for two days and then we move and then we move. Usually we stayed in a place for a period of time, especially with Liz Lerman, because we would create these community pieces. So we would be, we would be in a community for over a year, like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, but I, what I wanted, I was, I was like, it, what was not satisfying was then I had to leave. That's what was unsatisfying. And then I would feel like just really horrible. Mm. I'm like, well, what happens now? Like, what are they going to do? Should I come back? Do you need me to move here to Minneapolis? What do you need? <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought to myself, you know, I want to, one, be able to be home more. And two, um, I want to see what, when I if I implement something what is the long haul what does Mm -hmm. that look like in five years Mm -hmm. if I implement so I always find that like the jobs that I've done have all come to me in very magical ways Um, and I have I do have writing processes even though I like you know futz about writing but one of them is is when I really feel like I feel motivated to do this thing I'll write everything I know about it and not worry about the connective tissue. So that's what I did with Bax. I was like, I want to be in charge. I knew that. I want to be in charge. I want to have the freedom to uh, create uh, programs that are meaningful to the community I'm in. Uh, I want a regular paycheck. I think those are the three main things. Mm-hmm. And then I talk to it. I talk to people about it. I'll just be like, I want to do this. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. And then all at once several people sent me the job description and I put in my I I always do this I wait until the last minute and then I'm like okay I'm gonna apply so I applied like at the last minute the day that applications were due at 11 p.m. and I wrote an email saying applications are due today for uh, this position but you didn't say what time so it's 11 p.m. hopefully you'll accept my application and it was accepted and then I went through um, a long process mm-hmm. of, in, of interview, and then five years later. So when you were working there, um, you know, what, did you see impact? Did you see yeah. resonance? What, what was your vision for the work that you did? Um, I think that the thing that um, I felt gravitated towards me, or I gravitated towards it very quickly, was... Um, the way that we looked at teaching artists. And so I did a lot of work around trying to build that image up. 
um, because uh, at Baxter, I think there are about 50 teachers. Most of them work in, on the premises mm. for uh, our programs. And then at the time, there was probably like five teaching artists. And potentially, you did both. Potentially, you taught classes there, and then you would go. Um, and so I wanted to look at ways that we could always connect to each other and support each other and also build the profile of the work that we did. So that was one thing. Um, I also was, because Bax is also a performance space, I wanted there to be a connection between who performed and our students. So we often had exchanges between who was whose season it was, and maybe they'd come and teach a class, or maybe we'd bring our kids to the show. So just try to have those kinds of relationships. Mm -hmm. And then different ways of looking at art. Like we mostly uh, did dance. And so I think now, one of the programs I started was Acro Dancers. So now that has turned into this, this flourished into mm. this big program at mm -hmm. Bax, um, introducing musical theater there. There's different ways of looking at things because Bax had a studio model. Mm -hmm. um, even though when you walk into the classroom, it's clear that students uh, are very much, uh, get a, a lot of opportunity to uh, share their creative voices, mm -hmm. voices in addition to getting technique. Mm -hmm. um, it still was a studio model. So we had to look, I was like, let's look at different ways that we can like bust out this model. Um, yeah, I did see impact. Watching, this is what's really fun. You know, like there are dancers now that are working who I knew them when they were four oh, and wow. like taking creative movement. Wow. And now they're like performing all over. And I'm like, oh my God. Besides like, oh my God, I'm old. Besides <laughs> that, it's also like, oh my God, like I see myself in you. Mm. Like I can see, like if I taught you, I can see what I've taught you in your body. Wow. It's like amazing to me. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm a feeler. Mm -hmm. I have lots of feelings. Yeah. When you talk about the work that you do, your approaches, your things, I don't necessarily, I, I wonder about how you feel in that moment so mm. that you see somebody that you knew when you were they were four and mm -hmm. now they're dancers and you can see echoes of what you've what you've instilled in them in their their work and their practice how does that feel if uh, to me it feels amazing uh in the, uh, first of all it's like you know even if you're teaching somebody something or somebody teaches you something and it really leaves an impression mm -hmm. on you right you're going to take that thing mm -hmm. and it's going to show up in different ways yeah. so that's also exciting like it's interesting how you made those kinds of choices mm -hmm. or whether it's choices like a lot of it isn't even like especially at backs because I didn't get to teach as much there as I would have liked to mm. when I left I went back and taught more um, but it's also like how they think and how they see mm. dance and how they see their world like backs gave a lot of these dancers um, the ability to stand on their own two feet and walk out into the world and be the artist that they are that to me is incredible yeah. and it's in everything that they do how they choose to live mm. what work they choose to do mm -hmm. Um, that to me is really exciting just to see where they go. I'm like, I just put a seed there yeah. and now look where you're, what you're doing with it. Well, that, I mean, that's sort of what I'm, I'm investigating around mm -hmm. this, uh, you know, this idea of, um, passion, mm -hmm. begetting passion and, and being able to inspire something, yeah. whatever it may be in others and by the, by doing this work. Yeah. Right. And so that what you're talking about is being, you know, being able to recognize that, see that and, and, um, you know, whether it's by, from afar or whatnot, but mm -hmm. support 
that creativity and energy going out yeah. into the world as as one grows um is, is there is there somebody that you were inspired by yeah yeah you know i remember re i wish i meant to look up the person whose quote this is mm. but i remember seeing this quote that said something like don't wait for inspiration just do the work and i'm like yes and there's inspiration everywhere like mm -hmm. everywhere and i think that that's my you talked about like how much you love podcasts my issue with podcasts is as soon as i start listening i'm off writing something or i'm off doing something i'm like oh i just missed a half hour of what that person said because <laughs> that one line they said just sent me on yeah. this other thing and mm -hmm. now i gotta rewind it takes me like if i'm gonna listen to a half hour podcast Ben's a good example. I'm listening to WT's podcast. <laughs> it takes me two days yep. because something gets said and I'm like, oh, that inspired me. I need to go figure this out. Mm -hmm. What's the question? What inspired me? I was asking more <laughs> about it. Yeah. What? But also who? Who? Yeah. Yes. Everything and everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's all inspiring. It's all inspirational. Mm -hmm. um, it really, really it is actually. Mm -hmm. I'm... I'm constantly like looking and seeing. So yeah, many, many different things inspire me. I think that when I think about myself when I was younger, music really inspired me a lot. Mm -hmm. It still does now, but music inspired me a lot. I feel like, you know, when Prince passed away, and I you, really you, went deep. Yeah. And it took me a while to get out of it because I was like, why? Like he's a pop star like why did i go so deep and i'm like no actually what he showed me mm. was that you can be fully who you are and all of your glory and still do what you want to do mm. and that was like the tenant of his life i think mm. you know mm. thinking about at 15 being offered like five record deals and turning them all down because he could not get creative control until warner brothers came around i'm like who and then does changing that your name because then he was yes you know beholden to a company and didn't and didn't feel like he had control yeah yeah that I mean that's a really good point I don't know enough about Prince except I think you know we all we many of us felt a mm -hmm. loss like a pretty significant loss yeah and and questioning like why is that you know and how he lived his life how he made his music how mm -hmm. his music spoke to people mm -hmm. that yeah there's something so powerful in music yeah and in and in, in artistry yeah yeah another one um this is a funny one because <laughs> it took me a while to realize this one um in my house in terms of music in in the house itself it was uh caribbean music and soul and maybe some folk stuff like my mom really liked Fleetwood Mac, which ended up rubbing off on me um, in the car was only jazz. My dad was in control of the car and that's what we listened to all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I was a teenager. I forget how old and some Nina Simone song is playing. And I was like, why does she sound like that? <laughs> Like, why is this woman moaning? Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. And my dad was like, that's Nina Simone. He starts telling me about her and I'm like, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I'm in his car like I'm in my mid-20s and a Nina Simone song comes on and hit me in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I've lived, I've lived some life. Mm -hmm. I can hear 
what she's talking about now, regardless of the words, it would be just the way that she would say something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, sister, I feel you. Whereas at 14, I was like, Madonna spoke to me at 14. Yeah, exactly. Janet Jackson spoke to me at 14. Yeah. Well, that's because that's where you at, right? Yeah. At that age. And then, like, I, I feel like I I don't know if I, I started living in, like, recognizing my lived life until well into my 30s. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how about mentors? Yeah. You should always have one. Who, who's been your mentor? Um, my first mentor was Catherine Mapp. And I met her in my last year of high school. I did my first year of college. I didn't even—I didn't give you a real, a real breakdown of my college years. You said BMCC. Yeah, before that though, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> was Seton College, which now is a part of Iona College. And my high school and Seton College had this program called Link, where uh, they recommended students who are seniors who could do their last year of college in their uh, their first year of college in their last year of high school. So my dance teachers recommended me for that. And then that's when I met Catherine and I didn't have to take that class. Like I took like four classes that were required of me, but then I found out there was a dance class and I went and I asked her if I could take it. And she was like, sure. And then we had probably like a 10 year relationship of her teaching me, um, Iona, that particular um, campus was not far from me. Mm. So I would just walk. She gave me keys. I would go there at 2 o'clock in the morning just to dance. What? Yeah. 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 I had that kind of freedom. It was incredible. It was incredible. That lady taught me. She gave me my first professional gig, paid, um, paid me teaching. She was just like all around kind of introduced me to the world of dancing. So it was my first mentor, I feel. And currently, uh, I have one mentor who I've had for a long time, Susan Perlstein. Um, She was the founder of Elders Share the Arts Mm -hmm. and the National Center for Creative Aging. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what she's doing now, but she's been my mentor for a number of years since I worked for her in like when I was 30 or something like that. So. Always, I have, and I usually have like a a, a floating cast of different <laughs> mentors, depending on what I'm working yeah, on. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Do you mentor others? Yes, all the time. And so, are you taking what you've learned or experienced as a mentee to and into you know how you mentor others, or is it more customed? I think it's more customed. I mean, I definitely take because I feel like uh, people ask me to be their mentor. Customed or customized? Customized. Okay. Thank yeah. You. My grammar. <laughs> um, people ask me to mentor them, so they are already coming with an idea of something that. So they they think of me as a person who might know and help them through. Um, so it definitely is customized based on what right. what it is that they need. And you are. You're. I mean. You are a master teaching artist. You are a master at uh, in in dance and choreography, and you are continuing to to grow. and um, You have a lot to offer somebody who is asking for mentorship, yeah. needs mentorship. Um, I, it, you know, I I wonder about. I don't I don't fully understand the dance world, mm-hmm. I, I, and it is a world. Yeah. Uh, 
I've learned a lot about it, but I, it's still, I never feel like I have like the dance, the dance history background, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? In mm-hmm. fact, whatever, taking the course and knowing everything about yes. it. Um, so when you were studying and or when you were working mm-hmm. as uh, for different choreographers, different dance companies, you know, how do you how do you see yourself in the in the Uber uh, history of dance? Ooh, <laughs> that's big question. That's a big question. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I feel like. Ooh. How do I see myself in the in the grand uberness of the you know, there um there are people who um I really admire and I don't know them personally. One is dead and one is ninety-six. And uh both these people, Martha Hill is one of them. And Martha Hill is actually uh one of the pushers and uh people and one of the main ones who made dance uh made people see dance the way kind of started to ah, what am i trying to say dance before martha hill was something called like um polyrhythmics which was an uh, a structured exercise that gym teachers did mm-hmm. and uh, if you wanted to teach it, you went to school and became a gym teacher, and then that could be one of the things that you do. And I'm talking like the 1940s. Okay. Um, but that started to turn into modern dance. So like Martha Graham mm. kind of started to take uh, – modern dance is considered the first Amer- one of the first American art forms um, or dance forms. Um, so – it went from dance just being about exercise, or you had that, and then you had dancers who were about pageantry. Mm-hmm. And so those two things, I think, combined to create the beginnings of what we know of dance today. Martha Hill was the person who basically, if you got a BFA or a BA in dance, you can thank Martha Hill, mm. because she's the one who actually kind of pushed for dance to be um, and uh, you can get credits to dance right. and you can actually get a degree in dance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a documentary about her on, I think it's on Netflix or it's on Am- uh, Amazon. Incredible woman was a dancer herself, but basically ended up being an administrator. She started the dance Juilliard program. What? Like this woman is no, was no joke. Mm-hmm. Like she has seen things are named after her. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so she's one of my inspirations for the way I see my work now. And the other person is Anna Halperin. Um, Anna Halpern lives in California. She's 96. I'm dying to meet her. She, I don't think she'll ever come back to New York, so I have to go find her. Right. <laughs> um, go but on your Mecca. I have to go on my Mecca. <laughs> I think she's it. I think she's it. Um, she was around during Mar- Martha Graham time, but what she noticed was if, if you were a Graham dancer, you had to look like Martha and you had to move like Martha. Mm. So everybody had their little Chagon bun. Everybody, like, you you did her technique, and you had to learn her technique, whereas Anna was not interested in teaching anybody technique from a point of view of aesthetically, this is what I want you to look like. She's more like, I want you to look like you, just have technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's still teaching. She's well-known in the dance community. Mm-hmm. Um, she still dances when she can. Um she was she the founder of earth dance she might have been one of the founders of earth dance i'm not sure but she'll do like uh in april she does this thing where 
everybody, uh, people from all over the world who are connected to her dance at the same time. So it could be 10 o'clock a.m. for us, but if you're in, you know, Dubai, who knows what time, you know, I don't know what the, what the hour difference is, but she's pretty. It could be 10 a.m. the next day. Exactly. (laughs) Right? Exactly. It could be Sunday and we're on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a huge inspiration to me and a by proxy mentor because we've never met. I've never talked to her, Mm -hmm. but I read about her. There's a documentary about her as well (laughs) called um, Breath Made Visible. Yeah, she's pretty amazing. So she um, kind of shifted the way people saw dance as well. Um, So when I think about inspirations for the work where I am right now in my work, it's I'm like, that's the level I want to institutionalized dance in a different way i mean are you do you want to create your own company i don't know i don't know that it's a company it's a a something i think it's a movement Mm. i um i don't know how i'm going to feel about this being an interview but i have a spiritual teacher that i work with Mm -hmm. so she's always she's like you know there's a mccourty technique you need to you need to really start figuring out what that is. I I, I am down with that. Yeah, I agree with her or him and mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. her her. <laughs> um, there is a McCourty technique. Yeah, it I don't is, know what it is. Oh, I don't think so. Not yet. I think you need somebody to like be with you so that they can help you. Yeah. Sh- formulate it or ch- uh, yeah. jot it down i don't know what the right ter- terminology is but like almost like a ghostwriter. yeah <laughs> you know what i mean so I because there right. there is your approach your approach is meeting people where they're at mm-hmm. definitely recognizing movement ability in others when they don't recognize it in themselves mm-hmm. um And then it's like, and then there's like this, uh, what is it? It's, it's like a fun, there's a fun, mm, that's not it. It's, it's, um, safe, mm-hmm. you know, moving, moving for people can also be, I mean, just it's taking the creativity seminar, yeah. the seminar as an example. So professional development, these are teachers who are not necessarily trained as dancers, but mm-hmm. like to dance and, and or are going to create something or want just want to, you know, do something different in their teaching practice. Yeah. And they, that first day come in and they are like shoulders in crouch. Like there is just like, what have I got myself into? Why have I done this? <laughs> what am I doing? And there's this whole like narrative that happens and also self-consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. So then there's that first warm up that people are sort of like, looking around like am I doing this right or oh gosh I don't look like that person you know and there's something about how that warm-up is set up and how the 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 lines are set up when we start moving across the floor and all of that becomes you move how you need to move Mm -hmm. I'm showing you the the um the vocabulary but how you interpret that and how you take that is entirely up to you as long as you do it and creating that safe safeness is is a huge thing right so by the end not even by the end like halfway through the week 
you know, there is that those shoulders are back. Yeah. There is a brightness to people's faces. There is a joy. They are giggling on their way, you know, to lunch or they're giggling on their way in, you know, there's just something. And then by the end, when they're sharing, they, I mean, they create these, they're choreographers Mm -hmm. and they create these very poignant and beautiful movement pieces and dance pieces. And the, and there is, a rigor there yeah. is and and there is a um not even it's not even like a seriousness but there's definitely like this is this is we worked to get mm-hmm. to this place we want to show you this work and yeah. we want to move you with our work yeah and that happens without fail yeah without fail doesn't matter who the group of people are da, da, da. uh and that's to me that's you yeah and that was sean too but just in a different yeah in a different way and so you know having that to compare it's it's not like a comparison like you know good versus bad or yeah. anything like that it's more about just different different ways different of styles. doing it yeah the the overall you know uh uh arch of mm-hmm. you know starting like this and being so open that always happened no matter who the facilitator was but i feel like your style and your technique is this it's it can be grounded but it can also be up like mm-hmm. you, there isn't a there isn't uh this is the only way yeah and yeah. that is a really exciting technique i feel like that's the other thing that you know for for a theater who needs dancers as teaching artists mm-hmm. it's really hard to find people like you yeah it's hard to find dancers who are able to give that much yeah. um space and, think, yeah. and, and an ability for creativity and creative choices to be made within a dance technique structure, a uh, structure technique, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm talking a lot and, and because I'm still, you know, and I'm also thinking about like when we audition and we see somebody who's a, a clearly a skilled, but there was no the skilled dancer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did work. Yeah. And it was beautiful, but there was no choice making on the, on the part of the participant. Mm. Not even a little bit. Oh, and it's like that's not how we work. And yeah. frankly, I- I'm sorry, we've got McCordy technique built <laughs> into all of us. It's built into all of us because yeah. it's also how we work when it comes to circus and mm-hmm. puppetry and all that. I think you need that. I think that yeah. that that's very exciting to me for you to be able to find a way to actually codify that. Yeah, but not you know s- you know set it and forget it, but right. like understand that your foundation Mm -hmm. that is different than what's currently happening in the field i mean i think one thing is is that all these dance forms right ballet jazz they all come from human bodies and ballet was a folk dance Mm-hmm. It started out as a folk dance. I mean, it has reached where it is now, where it's this codified technique. Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, that's one of the downsides of, um, you know, institutionalizing something like this is that you have so much codification that people don't feel like they can fit in. Mm-hmm. But it comes from human movement. Like when I, I remember one time with Sean, I had um, a group of students sleeping across the floor of these dancers. And he was like, how did you have them do that? And I said, I told them to run because that's what leaps are. There runs in the air. Mm-hmm. I said, so when we start talking about let's jete, you automatically start to like, people will tighten up because mm-hmm. they're like, Ooh. I don't know what that means. And that's a different language. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. and dance is very vulnerable feeling. In terms of like, I learned a lot about a lot of my facilitation choices 
really come from all the companies I've danced with, but Liz Learn Dance Exchange really taught me a lot. And one of the things was um, what what you come with is valued, but it's beyond that. It's also what you don't come with is valued or what you think you don't come with was valued. Mm -hmm. So if you think to yourself, I, I'll give you an example. I was in Minneapolis and I was teaching this workshop to a group of senior citizens and they were lovely. And there was this one guy, I wish I could remember his name. He had a stroke on one side of his body. And so we're doing these stretches, right? And he stops what we're doing to let me know that he cannot do that because he cannot move his left arm. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know that that's true. And then I kept going. This is what he did. What? And so wait, that, I, you have to describe what you just yes. did. <laughs> so I reached with my right arm. And then when it was time for my left arm to reach, I used my right hand to pull my left arm. And that's the choice he made. And I was like, see, that's how choreographers work. It's not about just like technique for me, like ballet technique in that way is a tool. It's not aesthetics. Mm. It's a, for me, it's a tool. It really is just to help you uh, stay safe. And also, you know, a ballet, there's turnout. So that's really about dancing from side to side. And it's easier to do that than with your feet, your toes pointing forward. Right. You need to point it where you're going. Exactly. Yeah. So I look at technique as a tool for me to get from point A to point B. But it's those kinds of things that create choreography. That's why, like, if I, w I worked with a lot of senior citizens for a long, for a very long time. That was a big part of my work. Um, and they'd be like, I don't remember this. And I'm like, well, that seems like a really good chore choreographic tool. Memory is great. You don't remember something, cut it out. Don't like the things that you mm. have your issues around are actually tools for you to make the work mm. as opposed to blocking a block. It's not a block. It just says turn. It's I can't a, do this. Let me do zig this. When you zag, exactly. or, you know, if you can't go straight. Right. Uh, well, that's a thing. Yeah. And tell me, tell us more because I, I feel like Liz Lerman, whether she knows it or not, she has a lot of um, influence. I don't mm -hmm. know if influence is what, but influence in in teaching artistry. Yes. Um, so can you, can you? What was it like working with her? How did you? How did you get involved? How you know? How did you feel once you started getting um, steeped in her technique and mm -hmm. the and the ref, uh, what is it called critical response? response yeah. Um, and then this community work that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I knew about the company. Um, I'd heard about them, and at the time, like if you ever look at photos of the of the company back in the day, they're just striking photos of like young and old dancers together, like on a hill. This is a very famous Liz Lerman uh, photograph, and it always struck me. So this one day, I just sent it. Oh no, a friend of mine. At that point, I'd already been teaching senior adults on my own, just because I I like old people. I do. They're, they're, they're just, they're my, they're, they're part of my people. Yeah. Um, so she was like, you know, I have to thank her, actually. She was like, you should go for Elders Share the Arts and Liz Lerman Dance Exchange. Because since you like to work with older people, maybe you want to check those two places out. And I got jobs. I ended up working with both of them at the same time. Mm. Um, Elders Share the Arts, Susan Perlstein, who's my mentor, and Liz Lerman, Lerman know each other quite well. Huh. They've known each other for a very long time, actually. And Susan used to be a dancer. 
Liz Lerman's mentor is Anna Halperin, who's the one I want. I'm like, Anna, I want Uh, Anna. Um, So Liz learned a lot from Anna. When I joined the company, oh, this is what happened. So my friend said that. So um, I just sent them an email. And I just told them I love them. (laughs) I was like, I love your work so much. I don't know what else to say other than that. If you ever like are in New York and you need like help with the show, I'll help you. Like I was like 29, 30 oh, and I, I said that, that email and I was like, and so then they sent me an email back and they were like, yeah, well, we're having auditions. Send us a video. I didn't do that. <laughs> but then they had the auditions. <laughs> now, my high school dance teachers uh, strongly encouraged us to go to auditions when we were in high school. So we auditioned regularly. And if we couldn't make it, like I don't have money for the bus, they'd come and pick you up what? and take you. So they've taken me to many. So I got used to just auditioning in in general. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I saw it as a free class. So I went to the audition. I almost didn't make it. My partner at the time, because it was like nine o'clock on a Saturday. And I'm like, who dances at nine o'clock on a Saturday? (laughs) So he like kicked me out of bed. And he's like, you're going to kick yourself if you don't go. You should just go. So I went with a friend of mine. And... um, the rest is history. Like I, I did that audition and right afterwards they were like, we want you to come to DC to audition. Wow. So I went to, I uh, came to DC and the audition process was rural because we not only, we were learning choreography, we had to choreograph something. We had to choreograph something with a company member. We had to teach, we had to teach. They wanted to see our teaching, our choreographic ability, our ability to deal with uh, folks of different ages and abilities. Um, my choreographic partner was Thomas Dwyer. Um, Thomas, well now Thomas is in his 70s, but at the time he was probably like 64. Mm-hmm. Former military man. We think that he was in the FBI, but he won't tell us. <laughs> he does know how to speak Morse code, which is very interesting. Speak, speak it. He taught me how to say my name in Morse code. Because <laughs> it's a dots yeah, and dits. Dots, yeah. yeah, da, dots, dits. So I know. <laughs> So we worked together. We choreographed a duet together. And afterwards, after the whole audition, like she sat people down and she was like, so how was the process? It is really coming down. It is. It's raining very hard outside. Um, It's like sheets. Yeah. I didn't see that on the weather report. Anyway. Anyway. Um, So after the whole audition, we all sat down together and... um, I knew one of the company members. I'd, he was actually a student at the American Dance Festival when I was there as a company member. And um, he took classes with us. And so Liz was like, well, how was that experience? And all the other auditioners were like giving the whole like, oh, it's so wonderful. So great to like work with different people. And, and I'm looking around and I'm like, what are these folks talking about? So I just said, that's hard. What you asked us to do is really, really hard. And I, I know that because I've been in these situations before. You have, to, you have to yield. And sometimes you don't want to. And sometimes the person who's with you um, is going to make you yield. Like I just talked about dynamics. And Liz was like, thank you. Because that's what I'm looking for. She wanted to hear the truth. Because that informs the work. So I wasn't sure whether I wanted. I knew I didn't want to move to D.C., that I knew. Um, and I, I let the company know that. And she said, well, why don't we try an adjunct position? Which basically means that you, I, I had to co- go to DC uh, 
once a month for about three or four days mm -hmm. every month. And we had something called Holy Days. That meant everybody had to be there. Regardless of what you were doing, you have to come to Holy Days. And then either we're looking at the schedule, we're looking at our chore choreographic schedule, our projects. Mm -hmm. At the time, the company was doing a project called Hallelujah. And I think it was like about 10 to 15 cities that we did it in. And company members would work very similarly to how a CD team would. Mm -hmm. You have like, I was on the Vermont team and on the Minneapolis team. So I spent over a year like going in and out, mm -hmm. planning, working with different community members. It was amazing. It was amazing. And when Liz complimented me, I was like, I've done something. I learned a lot from her. Like my first, no, my second gig with the company, I co-taught with her. What? It was deep. <laughs> first of all, it was deep to watch her. I don't know if you've ever seen her. I'm not. I'm not. Tell me more. This woman is, she's masterful and magical. So if you think I'm doing something, Liz Lerman like will make you like want to kiss her at the end. I don't know how she does it. Oh. And she's also very intellectual. Mm -hmm. So she appeals to that aspect of folks, like mm -hmm. the thinking aspect. I usually appeal to the feeling. She appeals to the thinking. Um, so I got to watch her choreograph groups of people. I got to see how she choreographs because different people make work in different ways. She doesn't actually make movement per se. Mm -hmm. She gives us different prompts on what to do. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of curates the movement and then places it in the story. Yeah. She's a masterful storyteller. She's able to take yeah. all all the stuff and make it happen. That's interesting. Um, because Sean does that. That's sort of the way Sean works, mm -hmm. right? So he gives like either a prompt or a problem to solve. Yeah. And and you do so by creating the movement and the vocabulary. And then he sort of the way he calls it is it's like a quilt. So yes. I'm stitching it together. Yeah. That's my job as a choreographer, exactly. but your job, and that, that's the way he works with his dancers and his yes. companies. You know, there's some sort of question that he has, and he has them sort of make movement vocabulary and then starts to sort of do yeah. it. And then he, you know, does different formations and, you know. Yeah. Liz is very similar. That's interesting. And, now, and, and yeah. when she's working and giving the prompts, once the groups are working, what is she doing? She is the biggest researcher out of everybody. So I'm trying to think of a moment. Oh, this is this is an interesting one. So at the end of Hallelujah, we did a, uh, a final event called Hallelujah USA, which meant that we invited anybody who wanted to come from our Hallelujahs from all over. And we were Vermont, Minneapolis, Arizona, North Carolina, Detroit, Southern California, many cities. So we invited everybody to come and people came. Like it was hundreds of people that wow. came. Um, we did it in DC um, at uh, the University of Maryland, their, their big performance complex there. Um, so what she did was she kind of strung along a story. So she already has like a, an idea of what she thinks it will be. Mm -hmm. And she has like all this research. So there was one section where we were looking at, were we looking at romance? We were looking at something, I can't remember. And she brought in text from Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, which is very erotic biblical text. 
It's, Say what now? Yeah, exactly. Very erotic biblical text. This was written during the time of the Bible being written, but it's about uh, relationship between two people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I toucheth her breast and that, but da, 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 da. like my line was, what line did I get? I, what was mine? Oh, kiss me. Make me wet with your kisses. Your sweet love is better than wine. You are so fra- fragrant. You are frankincense and myrrh. All the young ladies want you. Yeah. So I took that wait, line. Wait, wait. And cr- That's yes. in the Bible? It's in a section called Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. Oh, I must you, look that up. We have to look that up. Yeah, I don't have a Bible. So, <laughs> so right now is not happening. It's but not going to happen. It's a part of yeah. biblical text. I can't remember exactly okay. what part. It, it Probably Old Testament. Mm, pro- probably. Um, so she does all this research around the work, and she just has it all with her. So she's the container of everything. Mm. Um, and then we'll get little chunks and pieces of it. And then as she's um, weaving it, she's very uh, transparent about what she's doing. She's like, I'm thinking about this section, but I'm stuck here. Maybe if we try to move what I was doing here to here, like mm. she just shows you what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of what she's doing. She's watching, and she's like this one time in that same piece. Um, she asked us to create. What did she ask us to do? I think we have to write something. No, or we had to talk about our experience doing Hallelujah or something like that. Either put it in a dance or put it in text. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a, a a piece of text and choreographed a solo for myself to it. And then in her seeing that, she's like. I want to put that solo against this group thing that's happening. So just like kind of playing around with different structures mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that's what she's and then, doing. And, and were you, so were you, you weren't teaching with her at that point. When did you teach with her? Oh, right at the beginning. Her, right at the beginning. Yeah, right at the beginning. And continued. Like she would, she was always around when I was teaching. Um, yeah. But right at the beginning it was me and her. Because I think that uh, th- we were in Minneapolis because I think she was going to pull herself out more. Mm-hmm. So she was like, I need the uh, the other team members to kind of step in. Mm. And yeah. Did you plan together? Like, what was the planning yeah. process? Well, this is funny. <laughs> so that first time, yeah, we planned together, like big time. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. But then we would get in the room and she would take over mm-hmm. and I couldn't say anything. So after two days of doing that, I, and then we were getting, we planned every night. So I said, I, I'm trying to understand why, like I'm happy to plan with you, mm-hmm. um, but I don't understand why we're putting stuff in the lesson plan for me to do if I'm not gonna do it. it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I'm happy to be your assistant, mm-hmm. but you need to tell me that's who I am. And we had this really excellent conversation because you know, she no longer is with Dance Exchange. She left about four or five years ago. So it's no longer Liz Lerman Dance Exchange. It's just Dance Exchange. And she's an independent teacher and choreographer. Actually, she just got a gig, a university gig, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah. Yeah. And uh, rightfully so. Um, But from that point, when I met her, she... She was already planning her exit. It took her 10 years to exit. So she had, she was really just trying to set it up so that it could live on its own without mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. So she said, you know, part of the challenge for me is when we do these things, logistically, the company gets paid more if I'm there because that's who they want. They want me. Right. So 
I, I, when I do that, I feel that there's an expectation of me that I need to be, but I realize I actually don't need to be. They just need to know that I'm here. And so she backed off and then just let me, and I was like, you know, if I mess up, step in, step in, <laughs> which she did. And <laughs> she was good. great. She gave yeah. me space to like figure it out. So that was that was our first teaching. You know, between together. that moment and the the audition moment, like mm-hmm. your truth saying, <laughs> <laughs> I know that, and I I I very much appreciate that. Not yeah. everybody can be that. Like, I don't know. I don't know why this is happening. Um, and I just I need more people to be like that in yeah. this world, in in you know in a polite, respectful yeah. way, of course. But like passive aggressiveness yeah. does not work for me i just I, you know i can't read your mind just tell me what's wrong right yeah and then we can fix it yeah and i you know i may feel something about it but i'm gonna move on from it too yeah. so you might as well just uh, rather than me seething and trying to guess what's wrong right you know yeah. and and that moment for her to be like oh you're right i was operating because of this but i don't actually have to mm-hmm. and that i bet you that was a part of her journey of her exiting oh right? yeah absolutely being able to say oh you know we've planned this together but yet i'm not going to facilitate every single moment of this mm-hmm. that's why i asked somebody to partner with me and so we can do this together or this yeah. idea of being able to step back i wonder how it felt for her like i wonder if that really felt freeing mm-hmm. or if it was if it was like a, a bit a bit of both like yeah hopefully this will work or you know I think it was a bit of both for mm-hmm. her I think mm-hmm. it was a bit of both for her but I think it, you're absolutely the discussion was great it was great for both of us and I think it was really great for her Liz loves inquiry mm-hmm. so she's not going to catch feelings about anything at least I mean unless if, if I were being a jerk about it of course right. but I wasn't a jerk about it I was like I just need to know what's going on I didn't even expect the conversation to go in the direction that right. it did but it was such a it was good for me to listen to her. I was like, oh, we the company gets paid more. And that's the truth. Even Kyle Abraham, I talked to him about it last year. He's like, when I'm there, we get paid more. And that way I can pay the dancers really right. what they deserve. Right. Um, so she was good for that. She loved conversations. She loves questions. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't. Oh, this is one of the things that I learned. And it's a huge part of my teaching. I am comfortable with discomfort. I am. I'm comfortable on the edge of the precipice. I'm comfortable jumping in. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's what I. That's the biggest takeaway I have from Dance Exchange. I am comfortable with discomfort. Mm. I, I'm getting a little verklempt. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I, I. Not everybody is feels that way. I know. I feel that way. Yeah. I'm perfectly happy and I'm aware when there's a precipice and I'm like, I'm going to have to jump because I'm not, I don't know what the next thing is. Mm-hmm. I got to, I got to jump and it feels like you're flying. Yeah. And if, and that's awesome. Yeah. And terrifying. Yeah. But I'd rather feel that than regret. Yes. Or disappointment or whatever you know i'd rather just take the plunge and see what happens happens? because you know what's gonna happen you're not gonna break right it's gonna be fine yeah (laughs) exactly at the end of the day like you may have an uncomfortable moment or moment of feeling hurt or but those those things they pass they do and i think that you know there's the the, you were talking about the the gentleman who had the stroke right Mm -hmm. like he was he he had said 
I can't. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know that that's uh, true. Is that true? Is yeah. it, you know, is it? And I feel like there are people who will use something and I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just, mm-hmm. you know, that, that will use something to stop themselves yeah. be out of fear, out of whatever it is, as, as opposed to like either going around it or mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, well, my spiritual teacher calls it directional energy. Mm. So with Liz, it was like discomfort as inquiry. She's like, there's a reason for the discomfort. Lean into it and ask mm-hmm. questions of it. You're not going to know all the answers, but you'll know something. And what my spiritual teacher, she says it's directional energy. So when you feel that thing that's stopping you, it's a direction to go. You don't yeah. keep bumping your head. Like, no, go somewhere go else. Around. Yeah. 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 So I'm comfortable. And I feel I feel that that's, that's probably the skill that I use the most. Like, mm-hmm. I was talking to Justin yesterday about victory dance and he's like oh my god like how do you do that and i said it feels like riding a whale with no harness and i just follow the wave that's all yeah, i'm doing i'm like riding the wave. I'm riding it, you know it's so true like ride the ride the whale yeah <laughs> ride the whale <laughs> um something i wanted to, to get out that we haven't actually it hasn't come up so mm. i would love for you to talk about it because you you are probably one of the best people who does who's, who works on our curriculum development teams. Can you talk about what that process is? I could mm. I could fill in some backstory, but I would love because um I think it's a unique model yeah. and it's an exciting model and it's nice to know that there are models like that in in the art world yeah. or the dance world um, as opposed to I don't think it's as structured or um, as prevalent in the educational uh arts education world yeah in terms of working collaboratively in that way um well the cd we just did uh chodo dash chato dash chato dash um uh curriculum development and that team i mean i have to look at the lesson plan again because i feel like that whole lesson plan was just us playing like we played so much (laughs) and enjoyed each other so much and i'm like does this actually work or is this just like us like do we just want to do this together we just want to play together this way i think it's fine i think it'll it'll you've got be fine. ted sod saying i want to teach i know that's that true show, i forgot i like almost cracked some myself. sort of nut i yeah. was like what what did you say and then he said it again and then he said it again and then he said it to me specifically oh my gosh that's a thing so ted just Ted Saad, he's a teaching artist. He is a a, a dramaturg uh, for a theater organization. Um, he's he's been an, a, a director of education. Like he's, you know, he's very uh, knowledgeable. He's oh, he's steeped in knowledgeable. He's very knowledgeable. He knows a lot about a lot, and he feels a whole lot of ways about a lot. Mm-hmm. And in terms of working for the New Victory, he's been specific to working with middle and high school shows and very, you know, more on the narrative side mm-hmm. because his background is in theater, but Chato Desh being um, more of a, still having a narrative, but much more movement mm-hmm. and this sort of um, modernization or this fusion, would you say mm-hmm. of, of traditional Bangladeshi dance and modern dance. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's beautiful yeah. and intense and kooky and you know all the things and for him to say i would like to do the workshops with kids who are going to see that show that is a movement piece and not a narrative theater Mm -hmm. piece 
you might you might you might have created something really really special yeah 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 I think you know it's it that particular team was special mm-hmm. and um what makes the process in general special is that you have different artists coming from different perspectives, whether it's in discipline or it's in where they are right now as artists. Mm -hmm. Like, are they making work right now? Are they Mm -hmm. teaching a lot right now? Whatever we're doing is informing. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, five heads are better than one. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, we were just telling the story of how curriculum development started mm-hmm. um yeah how did staff. it start oh, it's such a great it's a great story i mean I, hopefully i'll tell it well but um so when we first started going into schools it wasn't when the theater started the the original and still the main mission is to bring young people to see live performance and performing arts um when they piloted going into the schools, uh, we the staff were the ones who wrote the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And that model continued even when it became a full-fledged program. And actually the staff, it was a team teaching model, but the staff were always part, paired up with a, with a teaching artist. Okay. So it was a small teaching artist uh, team initially. It was maybe 10 people. And there were four of us who would teach. So that was the scheduling matrix okay. and I would schedule us out. And, you know, we were only at that point working with like 20 schools. So yeah. it wasn't like the the massive amount right. of work that we're doing. Eventually that model had to break. Right. And so yeah. teaching artists were and we had we had to figure out like how how do we feel like we have some content and quality control by having two teaching artists going out. And, and so that was part of that. The thing that was hard, though, is that we were deriving we're creating the lesson plans from the resource guides that we developed for the teachers, Mm -hmm. which was a good starting point. But when we had the trainings, then we were getting really great ideas. It was only one, you know, one, two or three hour session. And we were getting really great ideas from the teaching artist um, ensemble. But some of those ideas were coming in or they were like sitting out, like in terms of the lesson plan itself, they were sitting outside of, what we, whatever we had crafted yeah so once we actually and i don't think you were here for that but when mm-hmm. we created the guiding principles that year was the year that our our uh pro, our artistic programming had grown in weeks so by proxy we were like we have more ticket inventory we're going to work with more schools therefore our uh workshop um, projections increased yeah. and we needed more artists yeah so we actually basically doubled the staff we went from like 15 to 32 or something wow. like that. And it was like, how do we get everybody on the same page? Yeah. So we together created these guiding principles or core values. And Edie Demas, who was the um, director of education at the time, uh, took us through this like amazing process. Yeah. And then <laughs> without a, like a ton of thought, we were like, great. Now we have that. I was like, can we try and find a way to like develop curriculum? Yeah. And it was still like, it was like two or three days and the teams were too big and it was, and everybody, there was people were having all sorts of anxiety and feelings (laughs) and issues. And it was, it was really, really hard. And yet the ideas were amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. And the curriculum was amazing. That was coming out, but there was a lot of, it was fraught and it was messy. Yeah. You know, and that was the thing. Like I, I like mess. Like, okay, well we tried something. It's not exactly like the best. It's not perfected, but we got, I think we have something here. And so at the end of that year, we actually went and presented the guiding principles at a conference in Vegas. It was me, Edie and Michael Wiggins. 
And so I was talking this through, you know, it's a pretty long plane ride. And it was during the day. I was completely hungover, by the way. But <laughs> side note. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, it was the last night and like, I, yeah, like, and you're in Vegas. And we like, were I mean... in Vegas. Vegas, baby. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we start to talk it through and I don't, I don't remember who said it, but it was like, Eureka. We were like, what if it, it's like devising, right? Like creating curriculum is like devising. Mm-hmm. So what is the devising process like? So you do your research and development, you play, you know, you, you're making movement, you're, or you're, you know, you're trying ideas out, you're coming up with the stimulus, the stimulus in this case would be the production. Okay. You know? And so then it was about like equating and that, and then it was like, okay, so now if we know what the things are, it's research and discovery, it's, you know, playful or experimentation. Um, It's sort of solidifying a, a structure and a plan. It's rehearsal. And then it's performance. So what does that equate in our world? Yeah. So it's okay. Research and development would be, or research and discovery would be watching the video, looking at all the materials from the binder, all that stuff. And like starting to generate some ideas. Then how long would we need for that? Probably a, a session, three hours mm-hmm. or so. So then it was like, how many hours does that can't come up with? And then we can't, and then we came up with the structure. Okay. And then how much would that cost? Yeah. <laughs> and like, do we have the budget? Because yeah. We've already, projected at that point and then it was like well we were having like 10 people on a team what if it was more like five yeah and that you know again now okay content wise or uh, i think it was like five or six and what if it was you know that every there was a staff person also you had that sort of uh, what's that quality control controller mm-hmm. but also that they are part of the co- the the process and the fact that our staff are already teaching that division of us versus them was already sort of dissipated so this process actually would make a whole lot of sense that it's just a team of five then you have um you know the tiebreaker if you need or you just Mm -hmm. you know five felt like the right number three was too little seven was too much you know yeah um so that's where it came down i I think and then you know over time it got even more and more you know perfected but that's how it came together yeah and so we implemented that the first year, the the following year, and and then again, you know. Yeah. But it felt like we had hit something. You were saying earlier, it's a bunch of people who, there's always a ringer, right? Mm-hmm. So there's somebody who's really, really knowledgeable in that art form and or that work mm-hmm. or the culture, depending on, on what type of show it is. And then we ask the teaching artists to tell us what they're interested in. So we yeah. really try to put people on teams that they are on shows that they are really actually interested in being on yeah and we also have there's always an outlier right so somebody who this is not their art form so that because of the fact that our teaching artists no matter what their expertise is are are asked to teach outside of their art form uh experience that it i think it's a what it does for me and i hope it does for other people is that it i know so much about many things that are not things that i studied Mm -hmm. i know a lot about dance i don't know everything Mm -hmm. but i know a great deal and i know how to teach a dance workshop and i know it because i have really great dance teaching artists who have developed curriculum and helped me understand as a theater person to make those connections and then to be able to work with young people and circus and all those things so um I think it's a really ex- exciting model. I wish more people felt like they could do it. Yeah. I, I, w- I really feel like more people should know about it. Maybe we need to tell people more about it. 
Well, I guess I just did. So you did. <laughs> <laughs> you sure did. Yeah. I feel like you know there's part of the discomfort I have found in talking to several teaching artists who don't work in this way, right? That one, they feel like a part of them is going to be lost. I don't know why. Mm. But there's that, and then there's distillation, which you mentioned before, mm-hmm. which sometimes in talking with dance teachers, they get, they can, I've, I've had conversations where dance teachers have felt like um, that pro, uh, th- they don't want to teach watered-down dance. And I'm like, it actually isn't watered down, it's distilled. You as a dance teacher are giving away so much in that. You don't even know how much you're giving away. Mm-hmm. You should know that even if you work with two uh, uh, basic dance elements as a concept, you can work that out for like three days. You really can. Mm-hmm. And you have to think of yourself as a choreographer in those moments. Like what, mm-hmm. you know, because the like you said, it, it was really great to hear about how um, the curriculum development process, the development of it happened. Because when I teach, I actually do think of myself, even in the teaching, as a choreographer. Mm-hmm. Like I'm choreographing the dance as I go, mm-hmm. or the, sh- the class as I go. Mm-hmm. So your artistry is always present. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, some people, you know, for some people it's hard to think about the idea that there are intersections between what they do and what uh, another art form might do. And that's there, scary. It, I, I think that's interesting. I, I find that very comforting. Me too. <laughs> you know, I love that, you know, I am not a skilled puppeteer, but working with somebody like Spica, mm-hmm. who just comes up with the craziest, amazing things, right? Yes. And so that's a joy, A, to be around. Mm-hmm. And B, then I can say, oh, I, I understand how I connect to that, yeah. how my work connects to the making and then the, the mm-hmm. puppeteering itself. And I can apply all of that in. Yeah. And that just makes you, I, doesn't that make you a stronger artist? I think so. I, I mean, I should probably ask that in a different way, but I, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I it's so people, when people are afraid of that, I don't necessarily want to work with somebody yeah. who, who thinks or feels that way because well, you know, clearly we've set up an environment to be really open and like usually the thing that, you know, a defining factor for hiring somebody is, do you want to learn? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the questions on the questionnaire. It's not asked in that way, but basically like, what, what do you want to grow in? Yeah. And people are like, and nobody has actually never, you know, said, mm, I'm fine. <laughs> but, but what they actually end up saying has a huge, like for me at least, because that's what I'm really interested in, yeah. not just what you can contribute, but also what do you want to learn? Yeah. What, how do you want to grow? That's also going to help me figure out what, who's going to be the best mentor for you, who, uh, you know, where, where we can start, where they might, you know, be able to go as they grow. Because, uh, you know, as a new victory teaching artist, when you start, in my opinion, when you start, you know, you're, you mostly start in the classroom mm-hmm. workshop program and then you sort of branch out from there. And there's so much, there's so yeah. much, um, and when we built the mentorship program, the, so teaching, so v- veteran teaching artists uh, mentor first season teaching artists, and the reason for that was g- multifold. It was one, the staff don't have time. Yeah. Right. Um, and two, we're not teaching artists, yeah. so we, we it's very difficult for us to be able to say, this is how you do it, and this is how you acclimate this into your life. 
I can't say that because I have not been a teaching artist at the New Victory. Yeah. I don't know what that means in real life. Yeah. I know what I need from you as a teaching artist. I know what we can provide and how we can continue to figure out how this is a very growing, uh, supportive environment. But I, I can't, and nobody else on the staff is going to be able to tell you as a teaching artist how to be yeah. a new big teaching artist in your life. So it's really important that we have artists, a teaching artist on the roster who want to mentor yeah. and, and take that quite seriously. And that, that's a huge asset for us. Huge. I mean, in general, the teaching artists are an asset um, for this organization in, like, in ways that like I, it's like, it's literally hard to explain. Yeah. L- literally. <laughs> you have to see it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you being the, uh, the host for victory dance, like that, what, that's a huge job yeah. and you do it with panache, but I have a hard time explaining to people what yeah. I do. <laughs> like, they're like, so you teach classes? Yes. And, and they're like, wait, and then you hope, wait, what? And so I haven't found, I don't think there's one way. And yeah. how exciting. I think that's what's great about this this work. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would have thought about doing something like this if I wasn't working where yeah. I work currently and working with who I'm working yes. with. Yes. Be- because when I meet artists from other or arts administrators who work for other organizations and I'm not I don't want to like be down on anybody else, yeah. but like the approaches concern me. Yeah. Very much. Well, there. You know, if you are using a top-down model, mm-hmm. this is this is a Liz Lerman thing. Mm. Also, she talks about this all the time. Uh, you know, she has her book "Hiking the Horizontal," right? Mm. So, like this top-down model, and she talks about how you flip it, and actually, you can be anywhere on this line mm-hmm. of things. Um, a lot of times with arts organizations, what I have found is that top-down model. So you really can't have any flow happening in that way. And it's not meant to flow. Mm. It's meant to flow in one direction, actually. But if you twist it, which is what I feel New Victory does, you know that you can... I mean, I know for me, like, I talk to board members at Victory Dance. Like, what the... And they're, like, talking... Like, one board member asked me Thursday night. She's like, so do I need to be aware of anything in this show? And I'm like, okay. Like, that doesn't happen other places. Wow. Board members don't talk to mm-hmm. the staff. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, well, we also, I honestly think we have a very special board. Yeah. Uh, that I think, yeah, it's a very special place that really, I mean, and, and I felt that from the minute I started. Yeah. That, you know, just in, in very simple, and I was, you know, very, very new in 2003. And, the amount of money because I was working as a teaching artist mm-hmm. prior to that and the amount just the teaching rate I was like what now I know this is serious this is for serious yeah. and I am impressed and happy very happy because it was at that time it was the it was the highest yeah. that I had seen and you know we do try to continue to be competitive and in fact i have known that other uh, teaching artists have gone back to other organizations to say look yeah this is how much the new vic pays what you gotta do right you know and and we continue to figure out how can we continue to either a provide more opportunities for work mm-hmm. and diversify what that work looks like which is very exciting to me but also um you know, finding ways to make sure that we can continue to increase those rates yeah. with, with um, 
you know, increasing cost of living and all that stuff. It's a very special place, you know, and I think part of the challenge, my, uh, one of my cousins is a teaching artist also. Mm. He's a musician. He uh, teaches guitar. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that he works is a model that, you know, is a, is a model. It's an old model. Like I go and I have my students and I, you know, if he's teaching like a group class, he finds that challenging as a musician. So he tends to do one-on-ones. But I was trying to explain to him New Victory Model and he was just like, why would I do that? I'm like, because if you have other ideas about how your art form connects to, it'll give you more work. Like what? What this a no brainer? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't. I don't think the the new Vic is for everybody. Obviously, no, it's not. you know, it's not. But, but um, yeah. I mean, there's that gig mentality mm-hmm. versus the like wanting to create a home base. Yes. And I feel like that that was definitely modeled for us by Edie, yeah. the director at the time, like who was starting starting something was that was brand new. Like we had been working with teaching artists before, but they were always independent contractors, and in mm-hmm. fact, they were the first year yeah and I was like this isn't right we need to change this but anyway <laughs> and we did but um uh they were working in other capacities we just weren't going to schools at that point so we yeah. were doing family workshops and I think we had other and did teacher professional developments absolutely but that the idea of creating like we kept calling it a roster and now we call it a teaching artist ensemble yeah. and when that happened was the when the guiding principles happened and Edie was talking to our president about it. She said something that I that will never I'll never forget. I she didn't say it to me directly, but Edie came back yeah. and said she she said that they're like a repertory company, mm. right? Yeah. So you know you've got your cast of 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 performers and artists yeah. that you cast in different places yeah that that create special things for our constituents yeah. When you start thinking about it like that, mm-hmm. oh, and then the, uh, the the core values makes us an ensemble. We already work in the team teaching model. Now we've got this curriculum development model where we are constantly working as ensembles and we're building our own community. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching our ensemble. That's nice. Yeah. So when we coined, I think it was actually Jonathan who coined the, Jonathan Nealon, excuse me, that um, coined the actual ensemble okay. part, but it was like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. It shifts the way people think about the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a level of investment when you feel yourself to be a part of something. Well, that was the other thing that that Edie also talked a lot about when we built the enrichment team was about retainment and investment and really trying to figure out how do we invest and how do we build opportunities for leadership within the ensemble and other kinds of work that we could do that the that and and working with the teaching artists as a think tank Mm -hmm. which then became more action oriented but initially it was a think tank and we had of course we have everything has to have a name and a title (laughs) and we agonized over what that title would be we had a different title i can't remember but they didn't like it so we came once enrichment team because the idea is that the teaching artists themselves are enriching yeah not only the work, the actual work within our programs, but how we work with the, the ensemble as yeah. a whole. And that's something for me that's super, uh, and just another way. Like, actually, I'm. that's why I'm not going to be here for the creativity session is because I'm going to be in Edinburgh at the International Teaching Artists Conference, which hopefully I'll record some part of it, but that um, uh, 
presenting exactly on like how we work with our artists and what more we could be doing and and how could we be thinking about um, continuing to to look for different ways. So now our teaching artists are are researchers and we also have this new teaching artists pathways tool that could be a a tool for professional development for other teaching artists and how can we develop that. So it's sort of a a starting point question that we want to continue to work with the enrichment team to figure out what that is. Yeah. I feel like I talked a lot about all the things, but, um, but, you know, I, I was saying before that you have this, uh, you know, straight shooter way. And, you know, some people are a little bit like, yeah, nobody wants to disappoint you. You You know know what? Someone said that to me and I don't understand what that means. Uh, It means that they, you've, you've, you've ridden on both sides of the the balance beam (laughs) as it were. Right. Yeah. And so if, something's not on point you catch it yeah and you say it <laughs> i do say it you say it which is good because it keeps us like on yeah. point right but it's also <laughs> like oh no oh no we, penelope got us <laughs> and that you know it's it's all in good fun but it's also like oh we gotta we gotta get get gotta make sure all the t- t's are yeah what crossed and eyes are dotted. And eyes are dotted. Um, and then, you know, you also ask for what you need, yeah. which is so, so important because then we can, if we can't accommodate it, at least we knew that it was a request yeah. and that it was something that was needed and that we tried. Yeah. And that's the thing for me also that I, I definitely want to make sure I, I just, I want teaching artists to feel empowered to be able to speak up. Yeah. I would and say, not be like self-righteous necessarily, yeah. but just talk, explain what their needs are to yeah. be able to have enough space to do the best work that they can yeah. do, which will only benefit your organization. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, New Victory is a very special place for many reasons. And that office is very special because you know that you can call and give the weirdest ass request <laughs> of something that you need and more than likely, someone's going to try to figure out how to make it happen for you or tell you, you know what, we couldn't do this, but we could do this. That doesn't, And I think part of it is, number one, asking for what you need is just like a life lesson. It's hard to do in life. Um, I've had to learn. I've had to practice the art. It's, mm-hmm. it, I, still, I still try to practice mm-hmm. it. I had this great conversation with Carolyn last week where I was like, ah, I need rehearsal space and... I need all these things and I don't know what any of it means. And she's like, well, why don't, (laughs) so I love Carolyn. Why don't you just ask me for what you want? She just said it straight like that. And then I'll let you know. And I said, okay. So I went and I wrote, I was like, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. This is what I want. What can you do? Mm -hmm. And then she fixed it. It wasn't an arbitrary to ask is because you're doing a solo, you need whatever it is that you need to prepare for that. And then, you know, she came to me. Yeah. I know this story because I'm a part of it. Yes. So she came to me and she explained what it was. And I was like, okay, well, do this, do some math for me. Like, and like, what do you, what do we think is reasonable? Because like, you know, we can't, you know, we got a budget. So what's reasonable yeah and whatever she brought back to you is what, 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 yeah, it was more than reasonable, you know, reasonable for the for the ask for mm-hmm. the work to be done and for it to be showcased in its um, best quality for yeah. the teachers 
I still don't get the disappointing the disappointment. I had somebody tell me this. Well, in, not in New Victory actually at um, BCS, where I was working with this videographer on a project, mm-hmm. and she was like, "You know, your students don't want to disappoint you." And I'm like, "But I don't. What does that mean to disappoint me? I don't, I don't know. know what it means. I don't know. I mean, I, I think." Like, do I have a, a high expectations of folks? No, maybe, 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 maybe that's it. But it's it's more. I think it's a it's a respect thing. Mm, yeah. I, I think you know, like that you, makes sense. You know, Taeyong, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. right? I think it was at the auditions. Yeah, both Taeyong and Val talked to me about something that happened at the auditions, and my br- I'm gone. Like I I like I think Taeyong was standing next to me when I was facilitating whatever I was facilitating mm-hmm. and she kind of was like, Oh, I don't have a move. And I was like, Oh no, that's totally fine. Like even if it's puttering around, which is what I like, I, we just talked it through mm-hmm. and she came to me afterwards the whole, and she was like, I'm really sorry that I wasn't. And I was like, are you insane? No. What are you sorry about? You were fine. You were absolutely fine. And then Val with the sound and she was like, I'm really, and I was like, Val, don't even worry your head about it. I'm not even thinking about it. Like in the moment, I'm like, oh my God, the sound's not working. Yeah. And well, because then I'm gone. But you made a statement in that moment. You were I like, did. somebody's going to have to fix that. Oh, I did. You said that. it. And it, like, it was the absolute truth. And for me, I know what that is. Yeah. But not everybody understands. Right. right? It so wasn't you, for me, actually. It, you were saying. For you, the other auditioners. Exactly. Yeah. But because you experienced it. And then, and then another teaching artist did, uh, somebody who was auditioning, did experience it. Yeah. And that had influence. And that was, it was yeah. awful. Yeah. And so you had, so as somebody who knows that, you have to take that into consideration. Yes. Um, when you're thinking about all the things. But, but that moment was like, uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. she she done right and we got to fix that yeah I was definitely thinking because I was thinking to myself if I were auditioning and this went down I would be mortified I it would it's already hard enough that it's I'm so, auditioning I mean, it's so the yeah. fishbowl is just it's rough it's rough I, I don't know if I would have been hired as a teacher <laughs> but it was just like oh you know like that now our process is so intricate it's yeah. 360 degrees it's so and we try to be transparent with with the teacher but you're right it's a it's a very challenging scenario and 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 frankly i think only really theaters do it mm-hmm. you know i think you know if you're a visual artist you have your portfolio you right. interview um they may want to come see you teaching which i think that's weird i don't understand yeah. how, how i mean so that's the alternative right 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 Either you create this this very false setting yeah and you acknowledge it or you go and te- and see them teach in a real environment, which I don't think, I don't agree with that either. Yeah. But I don't know what the in between is. Yeah. And the interview process also doesn't necessarily give you everything that you need. Um, we've been talking for a really long time. Yeah. I I literally could talk to you for another five hours. <laughs> but I think we should come to the other side. Yes. It. Is there anything that you felt like I was going to ask you that I didn't? No. Um, I felt like I had a sense that this was the direction it was going to go in. And because I'm in this reflective process yeah. in my life, I was like, because at, at first when you asked me, I was like, I, I don't know what I could possibly say that would illuminate anything. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, no, I'm I'm on the other side of a lot of different things, even though I'm in the middle of some other things. Sure. As um, we all can As be, we all right? are. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. 
Not that I can think of. Do you have any um, questions for me? No. Fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have a, a few a few final questions. Okay. Um, first of all, I really like you. Oh, I really like you too. <laughs> I really like working with you. I don't like hanging out with you. Um, I, I'm curious though. I want to go back to what you were talking about around like, um, the fluidity, right? Mm-hmm. So like when you're in your, is that the question I want to ask? Yeah. When you're in your, um, when you're in flow. Mm-hmm whether it's as a choreographer or a teaching artist yeah. or teacher, um, what does it feel like? It, it mm. Meaning like what, w- like I find I laugh a lot when I'm, ha- when I am teaching and things are going on, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm giggling and I'm really not conscious. Uh, and I'm, I'm listening really intently, yeah. but it's all, And it's all serving where I'm going, right? And sometimes there's also like a buzzy thing Mm -hmm. when you see like these amazing creative moments that are happening in small groups or something's happening. You could see a light going Mm -hmm. on for uh, a kid or whoever you're working with. Like it just, it almost feels like, like you're on drugs. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a high. (laughs) It's the most definite high. I feel the most free. Yeah. I feel the most free when I'm teaching. I feel the most myself when I'm teaching. But what's Mm. interesting about that is that there is a part of me that kind of, uh, there's an egotistical part of me that has to Mm -hmm. move. Like when Mm -hmm. I'm doing victory dance, I actually, I know exactly what's going on. However, I couldn't tell you what the bigger picture is. I can only tell you what's happening, what I'm feeling. I use humor a lot, I always laugh. So I use a lot of humor in my teaching, but that's just, that's also just a part of my personality. so yeah, and it takes me a long time to come down from that, a very long time. So like victory dance is always interesting because I talk to people end up talking to me right after. I don't remember any of those conversations. I'm really not even present in the way that they think I am. Like I know I'm looking, but there's some I'm like buzzing all mm-hmm. so it does feel like buzzing. Mm-hmm. It feels very free. It feels like I'm high. Um, yeah when I'm in flow Mm -hmm. and when I'm out of flow, I don't feel that. And then obviously, but then I try to like, what can I do to get back in flow Mm -hmm. and get everybody in flow with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What would the world be like without art? Oh, we wouldn't have a world. We wouldn't have a world. I mean, the creative, the art of creative practice is, uh, inherent in all of us you can't escape it mm-hmm. you can cho- choose not to deal with it you can choose to ignore it you can choose to use it for nefarious reasons but the art of creative practice is inherent in humans so it uh, we wouldn't be alive otherwise mm-hmm. I think I don't think there would be a world and I think about um, countries that art is really coming under fire in a huge way people are getting killed to do the art that they're doing killed well, in Afghanistan, there oh. are some issues. Around, you, mm-hmm. re, you No music, yeah. no mm-hmm. singing, no dancing. Um, we just had a bomb hit uh, Bangladesh, mm-hmm. I think. Um, a young dancer. Oh, this story just is so tragic. A young dancer who trained his himself mm-hmm. uh, was killed in that bombing. Um, you know, people are dying 
to to do their work we we wouldn't have that this building wouldn't be in existence mm-hmm. without art. architecture you is know art. absolutely so we would not be around i want to say we'd be a hot mess but that that's not even the case we just would not be yeah i i just i think what you know right now we're living in a very tumultuous yeah. time i mean there was just a coup in turkey yep. yesterday or a coup attempt yeah. and a bombing on bastille day in nice mm-hmm. and um, you know, Orlando and, you know, the, the racial tensions right now and police and it's, and then there's also wars, like yeah. actual wars that are happening and ISIS and, um, and then our ridiculous <laughs> election season yeah. that is just a it's circus. A show. Uh, I remember, I think Lauren Jost wrote this once and I keep it in my head. I saw it, she wrote this on Facebook, something like, I'm almost completely convinced that Donald Trump is actually a performance artist. And this is, and I'm like, wouldn't that, that would be like an incredible piece. Cause, and I'm like, what if he were, what if he were? Cause he's, he's ridiculous. It, I, I can't. Yeah. We don't I even literally have to can't. Um, and I, like I have waves of like anxiety. Yeah. And then I have ways of like, this is, this is not going to happen. Right. And then I have ways of anxiety. Yeah. I. Brexit. Brexit. Yeah. I'm going to Scotland in two weeks. (laughs) I wonder what you're going to, what you're going to deal with. I mean, my, my friend who's there is, uh, you know, she was 62%, right? So they did not want to leave. Maybe they actually read what it meant. Um, and realize not and like the first minister being so clear like we are we are not going to do like yeah. they're about to secede like there's yeah. no doubt they're gonna go for independence if this, this if this all comes and they've together. been trying for independence. and they Scotland's have and they voted against it last time yeah. but now i think they're like this is this insane. is it this is insane i have family in scotland and england mm. my nieces live in england and they are frightened and angry mm-hmm. they are and so they also frightened. know trump yeah. because of the golf course yeah. and that that is they know oh, yeah. firsthand <laughs> yes. what he yeah. is capable of and and how he operates and why people don't understand like people who are trumpers mm-hmm. trumpeters whatever they want to call themselves they're they're even you know there are there are people who are intellectual and still are saying you know he's better than whatever and i don't i don't understand i do not understand yeah uh, I'll get off that political soapbox because <laughs> I could go on and on and on. But I think the thing that I'm starting to see though is, you know, it's, it's, it, it is horrible that people are dying yeah. in general. And then thinking about the, the Bangladeshi uh, dancer, that there is a response to tragedy mm-hmm. through art yeah. and that is becoming more uh, uh, magnetized yeah. right now. Um, people are September owning, 11th there was a, yeah. you know there was a lot of art that was coming out of and more people are right? owning their artistry like mm-hmm. the reality is like it, I'm not saying that I want to create a world where you don't need me as a dance teacher I don't no, need like no. that's just that's my path but yeah. I, I want to create a world where you feel really empowered to use your body yeah. and dance can teach you about how to use your body in many different situations. Being an artist and collaborating in that way can teach you about m- navigating, not only navigating your world, but creating a new world for yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
I want that. I do too. I want that a lot. Yeah. And I see it more and more now. Like, you know, all these, there are all these little dance videos that people do. Um, one of them was um, the Harlem Shake. And I mm-hmm. loved that. A lot of people hated it. I, I actually like, loved it. It was so weird, lo- but it, I loved it. It was crazy. It. Yeah. Every, everybody's normal except one person. <laughs> and then everybody goes crazy. I'm like, the fact that people are doing that and posting it and being mm-hmm. open about it. I'm like. Or flash mob. Yeah. Love flash mob. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, Penelope. Oh, you can tell me what. Uh, show me what your tartan is. My what? Are you, is McCordy, is that Scottish or Irish? Um, I've been told both. Ah, so we should, I should find your tartan when I'm yeah, in Scotland. Please do. Okay. Cause at first I was always told it was Scot- Scottish, mm-hmm. but, um, it's, uh, you know, the McCourt family. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. But. Oh, Frank McCourt, who's a Wait, writer. M-A-C? No, same spelling oh, okay. without the Y. Uh-huh. Frank McCourt, um, uh, was a, uh, a New York city public school teacher mm-hmm. uh english and writing and um was he first generation also i think so family family came over from ireland um and he wrote this really great book and angela's ashes oh yeah which is about his family um why am i talking about him oh they're irish okay. so i was like okay like we have the same name but my i just have a y so i i haven't tracked their family so i don't know my dad told me he was Scottish, but mm-hmm. thinking about Jamaica at the time, it was mm. probably Irish, mm. but I don't know. Who knows? And also sometimes um, it depends on the person's brogue and where they're from. They sound like Caribbean people, Irish people. Interesting. Yeah. So I think it might be Irish. Oh, well, I'll take a look. Take a look and see. I'll take a look. I, I, I used to think that by, I hoped that body was a Scottish name. It's not. What is it? Do you know? I don't actually. I think it, I think they dropped the R. I think it's French. That's what because I was going to say. Somebody was telling me that there uh, were people with my name in Trinidad. Interesting. I was like, so it's oh, probably French. Mm. So I'd like to be called Baudier. I like that. Baudier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So we're going to end here. Thank okay. you so much for spending so much great time Thank with you me for and for really, you know, opening up. I really appreciate it. And yeah. you do. You do have things to say. I do have things to say. You do it. I thank you for saying them. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Episode 5, Act 2 of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Penelope McCourty, Giving Space. Join us next time for conversations from the National Guild Conference in San Francisco. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Ritz-Totten is the creative content manager. John O. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Like us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry. Like our page on Facebook. Listen to us on SoundCloud. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now.